Hello, Alex Wannabowl. How are you? Hi, James. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. What would you like to ask? Well, I've been speaking for a number of years as a member of Toastmasters. And to a certain degree, I've advanced quite far in the Toastmasters curriculum. There are very few of the basic speaking concepts that I don't understand. It's easy for me to write a speech, develop topics, get the basics correct as in an intro body and a conclusion. But one thing that I would like to know is how to really use my words and touch the audience, get them engaged from beginning to the end for a wide variety of topics. Yeah. What you're really talking about here, Alex, is making a connection with people. In yes. fact, that, that make, when you connect with your audience, that is actually the most important part of making a speech. That is where the power is. And if you can connect with your audience, then you can deliver a message. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. So, you know, I might have, let's, let's use recycling as an example. You know, I might be passionate about recycling, but majority of the audience might not be. There might be a handful of people who are feeling the same way. And as I'm talking, they're going, yes, 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 I understand. Amen. You know, but then there's another group of people who don't really feel that deeply passionate about recycling. But I'm delivering a nice eloquent speech. I'm giving the facts and I'm telling them all the right things. But I'm not, I might not be able to shift their hearts and minds and make them fall in love with recycling as a topic as much as I am. And that is something that I want to get deeper into, you know, not hypnotizing people, but speaking in a way that makes them as excited about something as I am. Because at the end of the day, it's not only the message that I want to send, it's the feeling that I have about this thing. Yeah. There's two parts to that, actually, Alex. The first part is actually when you know your audience. Sometimes it's best to ask your audience what they want to hear about. There might be, let's say you've got an audience that's not interested at all in recycling they're never going to get as passionate as you about it. So a lot of the speaking is know your audience. Yes. Ask them what they want to hear about. You could do that. Um, there's no good, say, for example, doing a speech about recycling to teachers who want to teach music. So you, you've, yes. got, to know, you've got to know your audience. Yeah. Now, it's all very well you being excited about uh, recycling and your passion. But you won't convince anybody if they're not interested at all. So you really got to design. It's not about you. Speaking is not about you. It's about your audience. If you remember that every time you speak, it makes it easier. Whether it's in Toastmasters or anywhere else. Because then it gives you that power because then you can talk about things that they want. It's not about what you want. 
Okay. You get it? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, tap into there, you know, inner burning desires and see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also speaking, I'm also bringing up this topic as, as a sort of sales tactic, you know. Let's say I am selling recycling. And just by the way, I'm speaking to a music teacher. What I'm understanding you saying is that I need to first step into their burning desires and then somehow bring the recycling in there. Yes. That's selling, isn't it? Um, yes. You've got to put yourself in their shoes. All right? It's no good. You can't preach to people about what you want. Find out what they want, what interests them, and tap into that. Yeah? So yes. it's, it's not so much, again, this goes back to what I said earlier. It's not so much about the speaker, you. It's about your audience. Okay, so you can actually, you can ask people first. You can, let's say you've got a, a speech somewhere and you can, you can actually ask them, what would you like to hear about? I mean, my speciality is this. What would interest you? It makes it easier. Okay. Yes, you know, yes. As I said, there's no point talking about a subject that nobody has interest in at all. And you, let's say you've got 100 people there. And you're talking about recycling, and they're just interested in rock music. It, it's not going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's more finding out what your audience wants, not what you want. In other words, okay. you've got to find the right audience. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think something, some other thing that might happen, and I'm also. As I'm also wanting to know about is, let's say you were doing a speech and the speech was organized by a leader of an organization. And he said, I would really like you to speak to my team. And you go to their organization and he's speaking in front of this leader's team. But they're not as engaged about the subject matter as the leader is. So there's some kind of, there's a little bit of resistance. And that's sort of a similar question that I have now. This is my second question. Um, if you're speaking to a group of people, but it's, in a, but it's in a way, it's not a large audience. It's small enough for people to actually either, either break your word while you're speaking or there's time enough for them to ask questions, but they've, they've got some resistance. They are, they are, in a sense, forced to be in that seat to listen. So now I'm addressing them. So what type of tactics do you think will, will help them to open up and help me break that resistance? Actually, these are actually selling techniques that you're talking about. And there's, there's four stages of when you're selling. And it's people have got to know you, the first step. Then people have got to like you. Then people have got to trust you yes and then value you and if you miss one of those steps you won't make a sale in other words you won't connect with them it's no like trust no like trust value and if you if you had in an audience a small group of people and you got to know them and they got to like you then i think you're halfway there yeah it's because 
let's say a boss suddenly says, go and speak to my people. They don't know you. They don't like you. They don't trust you. It's going to be a lot yes. harder. It's going to be a lot harder to connect with them. Now, if you just went in there and got to know them, more conversational, and they liked you, it makes it easier to get your message across. That's just the same as a speaking situation. You're going in cold in, a, in an audience that you don't know. They've got to know, like, trust, value every time. Yes. They've got to like you. They've got to like you first. Have you ever been anywhere and, and met people that you simply didn't like? Yeah, you know, you make a small joke and then you know you just hear crickets. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't. The joke either doesn't resonate with them. Or just you as a person, somehow, some way, they, they're not open to receiving whatever you have to deliver. Because they don't like you, you haven't made a connection, they don't trust you. Yes. As soon as you, when you get people's trust, then they're going to listen to you. That's the bit you're missing out on. You got yes. to build no like, trust, and then it's value. Yeah. So if you, you went, went in a situation, a boss told you to meet their people, go and have a coffee with them. Go and chat to them. What do you want to know about? What's bothering you? What would you like to me to speak about? They'll tell you. They'll even say, oh, we don't get what we're... You might even say, we don't understand what the boss wants. So it gives you pointers in what you can say in your talk. Yes, yeah. yes, I think that that's very valuable because um, something that would also be a, a, a question that, that I would raise is, let's say it was a type of seminar and there's a section between waiting to go into the seminar or workshop and in the seminar itself, is it good to then, as a speaker, as the main person, to mingle in between in the beginning and start to, you know, Hey, hi there. You know, I'll be the speaker today. And what do you think about this? What do you think about the topics that are going to be discussed? What do you expect to to hear from from the speaker, which is myself now? Definitely. I mean, professional speakers. That's what they do. They'll they'll go an hour before or even longer to to mix and mingle with the people. And they can even get pointers. Let's say they've got a prepared speech. But somebody says to something pointing it to them, they might use that on their opening there and then. Because it's what they're talking about there and then. So what's on their mind? And it, then it's, it's massive impact. Because they can give you all the clues about what's bothering them or what's on their mind. And you can suddenly change your speech and adapt it and get up there and deliver it and go, Wow, that's what's bothering us. That's the touch. That's the hot point. You won't know that. Okay. Without yes. Yes. I think that's, it's quite interesting because I think that's a, it's what a lot of speakers don't do. You know, they just prepare a speech and think that's right for that audience. And really, ask the audience. Like you said, mingle with them. Find out what's bothering them. Find out what's interesting them. And you can. Be flexible in your speech and adapt it. Yeah. They can give you a clue and you can just stand up and there say, you could actually open up on stage and go, 
somebody said today, just, just a few minutes ago, it was Bob, there he is over there in the audience. He actually said, bam, this problem. Wow, yes, you get the, you get the heads nodding and then you can roll. Okay, See? okay, yes, I understand. And then, then, you know, maybe, maybe Bob was uh, speaking about a problem as a, as a spokesperson. For the rest of the for the rest of the people, he's actually addressing something that everybody or a large group might also be experiencing. Hmm. Hmm. As and, a speaker, and, and you feel like that's one way to break the resistance that I'm talking about. Yeah, I think as a speaker, it's actually interesting that you've actually got to be a good listener. You've got to be a really good listener. It's more important than speaking, because you can listen to what people want. Adapt your speech yes. to what they want, to the people. I think the greatest speakers do that. They're better listeners than speakers almost, you know. But just think of the other side when if you don't listen, if you're just going on stage and telling people all the time, not listening to what they want, there's no, there'd be a massive gap. There's no connection. Yes, yeah. And, and that's what I, that is sort of what I'm experiencing to a certain degree only because when you prepare for a speech, you're sitting with your book and you're doing a nice speech on, on paper and it doesn't always come out the way that you thought it would from paper to speech because you might not have taken the audience's feelings their thoughts at the time into consideration yes there's that's another part to it i suggest writing speeches with your ear not your eyes it's what it sounds like um, what i do a lot of times is actually i record it on my iphone or something like that rather than just writing out longhand it's what it sounds like and you can change it quite quickly on on the on a recording on your phone so write with your ears and not your eyes is my suggestion because it's what it sounds like to your audience sometimes when you write yes. it out longhand you start to read it like longhand then you're just reading that's not good enough you you've got to it the power is when you connect with your emotions yeah yeah so it's, it's that part of it and what a lot of speakers do professional speakers they are constantly changing and adapting their speech it could be the same speech but they get feedback from the audience after after delivering it once then i'll deliver it somewhere else and somewhere else they'll tweak it and tweak it and tweak it so it's always getting better and they'll yes. tweak it because of the feedback and the vibe they get from the audience or suggestions they say or an audience might say oh what about this point and then you adapt that speech it will just over time get better and better so really that's saying a good speech you don't write alone you can't write a really great speech alone you you write it with the help of the feedback you get from the audience sometimes when you're speaking you can see on people's faces that they're not interested in something mm. or it was a bad joke that's what comedians do uh, you know stand-up comedians they 
they go from venue to venue before they put on the big show they do lots of little venues like in small pubs they're, what they're doing is yes. they're trying out they're trying out their act and they'll know if a, if a joke doesn't work they'll drop it and put another one in and go to the next small venue bar or pub yes so they'll do their homework until they find out the right combination of the act and do the big one and that could be just the same as making speeches you polish it and polish it parts of it don't work with the audience so you drop that and put a new part in and do it again yes yeah it's a bit difficult when you've got you know the one shot speech when you know some people are put in a position where for instance at the company they said we're having this company retreat or we're having a summit or some kind of forum or a roundtable discussion could you talk about this so they need to prepare and give that speech in one shot and <laughs> they don't have the second chance um, but i suppose well, rehearsing would be the rehearsing but also you can use toastmasters to do that you can go from yes. club to club at toastmasters that's one way with it you can do, speak at rotary clubs you can speak at network marketing uh, networking associations and then develop it that way try it on, out on people even if it's a small group if it's one or two people they'll tell you yeah yeah anything else um well i can comment on one of my one of my evaluations one of my recent evaluations actually I'd, i would also say just before that is that i've actually with with your help james you know that we've been discussing um i feel like i've taken my speech leaps and bounds from where it used to be i've improved a lot over the years and I take everything in consideration and I had a very good speech the the weekend pass at my Toastmasters club but I still got some kind of feedback for improvement and one of them was the evaluator said that I often use the same word twice the same meaning the same a word with a similar meaning but I use it twice something that I, I I think I know. I like to say it something like I like to say, it's beautiful and gorgeous. So, what is your take on that? How to drop one word? Yeah, but do you think it's good that I do it? Do you think it's good that I do it once or twice, or do you think I should drop it totally? Or do you think there's a context for it and a context where this should not happen, where it should be clear and concise? My question will be to you, when you talk to your friends, do you do that? Yes, I think so. I, I, like, to, it's, I like to think of it in my mind like a snowball. You know what I'm saying? Something is great, brilliant, magnificent, amazing wonderful you know and that person I, my feeling is i'm not saying it is but my feeling is that when you speak to that person they get a sense for how excited i am about 
this topic and also try and get that excitement in them by using various words that resonates with them. So it's great, amazing, awesome, magnificent, wonderful. That's, that's what's going on in my mind. But the evaluator, you said that that's something I should look to improve by reducing that. One word means beautiful, use beautiful, not beautiful and gorgeous and something like that. I don't know. The way you just said it, you're saying I quite liked it. It was really good. I, my point about that question earlier was, what are you like in your natural self? Is that how you normally talk when you're not giving a speech? Because yes. I think the best speakers really aren't after being stylized. It's being their natural selves, being conversational, how they naturally are. Yes. So I actually don't mind your overemphasizing words. Great, brilliant. It actually shows enthusiasm in my, my eyes. It was passionate. You know? And isn't that what a speech is supposed to be? Passionate and yourself. I think it'll be harder to try and lock away parts of your personality in the way you naturally are than just doing that i think go with it be who you don't try and be somebody else be who you naturally are i think i think okay. there's a lot of i think there's a big liberation and freedom in that when you go on stage when you have a big audience you're not conscious of every single word and the way you deliver it you're more natural yes and spontaneity is when you connect with people. When you're spontaneous and open and relaxed, then you make a connection. Then it's when you show your emotion that yeah. connects with your audience. So getting back to your question, I wouldn't change it. Okay. I wouldn't, okay. I, 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 yeah. wouldn't I don't think it's a big deal, to be honest. If doing. I think about um, Dr. Eric Thomas, you know, who is he's actually nicknamed the hip hop preacher. So he's probably the top five best motivational speakers in the world. And he's got a very unique style. His way of, of speaking, his motivational talks are not polished like Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn. He speaks almost in a slang way because he's an african-american so it comes through very naturally the way he speaks the things he says but he's one of the top speakers if not the best motivational speaker in the world and what i'm when you say be yourself it makes me think of dr eric thomas the hip-hop preacher and that's what you like about him is it because he's his natural self Yes, because he is, he, he, he is his natural self. He is speaking to top execs in companies, but he's coming to the he's coming to the stage with a t-shirt and a and a baseball or pea cap. That's his style. But he's he's speaking about things that touch people. You'll see in the audience, everyone is wearing a shirt and tie or a suit, but he's got his t-shirt on. Shorts if he has to, and he always wears a cap. And why do you think he 
connects with his audience? How does he do it? I think that he touches a lot of pain points that they might be thinking and feeling, maybe not saying, not speaking about. I think he's also real because he, he, he touches on points in a way that's it's no bullshit, you know. His way of speaking is don't give me excuses. Don't give yourself excuses. One of one of the things that he says that, that, that always sticks to me is whenever you buy something and something goes wrong with it, I bought this thing and it's not working within 30 days, I'm gonna run to the shop and go and get my guarantee. But we don't do guarantees to ourselves. <laughs> That's Why don't you punish yourself when you don't when you don't commit, when you don't do anything you plan to do, when you don't exercise. Why don't you punish yourself? Why don't you go run back to yourself and tell yourself you, you didn't commit? Where's the guarantee to yourself? And I think it's that types of topics that touches people, and they look past is non-stylized way of delivering his speech, his presence on stage and all of that. And, and that's really what resonates with him. I think what you're saying there, but his actual point is be honest with yourself, isn't it? Be true to yourself. Yes, that sounds yes. like his message. And what he's doing by wearing what he does, his delivery of his speeches, he's actually being true to himself, isn't he? Yes. So he's actually doing what he's preaching. He's not trying to be somebody else. He, he, I would say he could make mistakes quite easily on stage and it wouldn't matter. Is that mm. right? Yeah, yeah, matter. definitely. And this is what I, I try to tell people when they're speaking. Uh, they're, they're more afraid of making a mistake or hesitating. When you talk to a friend face to face and you're not making a speech, are you self-conscious about that? No, not much. No, do you? You just let it go. Close. You let it go, and it does. Does it matter if you make a mistake when you're talking to a friend? No. No. That's my point about being a good speaker. If you can get that, where you're so comfortable on stage and delivering, just like talking to a friend, your best friend then you're a great speaker. Yes. You're a brilliant speaker. And that's what this doctor, what's his name? What was his name? Eric Thomas. Sounds like he does. He's just being his natural self. He's confident. He's confident enough in himself to just get up there and be himself and wear what he's like and tell people how it is. Honestly, that's confidence. And I would suggest you can do that and be yourself as Alex when you speak you'd be a great speaker because then you're being true to yourself you're being true to your audience you're not scared of making a mistake or looking a fool people see that and they people like that honesty it's actually strangely a lot harder to do that to get to that than you write. I think. Why you think? Why would it be difficult 
to get on stage and be yourself. Because you're being yourself every day, all day with your friends, aren't you? Yes. I think the city. Something changes when you're public speaking, if you allow it to. You get nervous. You get self-conscious. And then you change. And it's worse the more novice you are at speakers, the worse. You know, they're, they're shaking. They're sweating. Um and ahs. And the yeah. more advanced, and the more advanced you get as a speaker, that gets less, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. But really, where you, where I'd like to aim to, when you're a really good speaker, is just to be a hundred percent yourself. You could be one minute talking to a friend, and you turn to an audience of a hundred people, and you just do it exactly the same way. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Yeah. That, that is really powerful. Do you have any tips to improve the confidence? Um, and from a time point of view, do you have any tips leading up to the speech and right before the speech, right before you take the stage? What would you say? How would one boost the confidence? Yeah, it's all about, speaking is all about confidence. And the peak of that nervousness is just before you go onto stage. Yes. Very peak. And once you get onto stage, it drops away or should do. So it's the, the, the most nerve wracking part is when you're about to get up. Do you get, do you get that heart going? Does that happen? Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Because, yeah. And, and it varies also from setting to setting. One thing, one thing that I found different between in-person meetings and the virtual meetings is that sometimes it's your time to speak, but you might be looking at yourself. Sometimes the screen, they spotlight you on Zoom. Then you only see yourself and you don't know, is the sound working? Is the video on from the other people's point of view? As opposed to standing on stage, you know that people can see you. You know that people can hear you. So that's one of the things now that I find that with video, it also increases that type of nervousness because now you might need to ask, can everyone hear me? Can everyone see me? So you need that confidence to then confidently ask, can people hear me? Can people see me? And it's similar to when people grab a mic for the first time. If you've been speaking, if you've been speaking, with your friends normally, if you've been speaking in a group normally, now for the first time, you've either got a mic on your hand or you've got one of those that comes around your ear and with a little bit of a box on your side and are you scared if you're going to graze the box, knock the box over or something like that. So what tips then would you have for increasing the confidence level leading up to the speech and, and right before the speech, getting the mind prepared and there's lots of parts to that. One about using a mic and everything like that, that's practice. If you haven't used a mic before, try and get access to one and use it all the time. Because then when you get on stage and somebody gives you a mic, it's not going to throw you. You've done it before. Yes. When you get a head mic, you've done it before. So the key about things like that, or even when you're doing slides, if you haven't done it before, don't go up on stage and just 
wing it. You practice, practice at Toastmasters, practice somewhere else, practice with a mic, practice with slides or any other prop you have. Because these small things can really throw you. The first time I was yes. given a mic, it threw me. And that's why now at our Toastmasters club, we've invested in a microphone. You know, proper handheld. Why? Because then we get used to it. Yes. Yeah. That's why yeah, I'll do for competitions. Yeah. It just helps. So when you're speaking to somebody else, somebody gives you a mic, you think, great, yeah, I've done this all the time. Other things, confidence. Confidence building and speaking, there isn't one golden nugget to fix everything. It's a combination of small things. It, confidence is like building a wall. You do it brick by brick, brick by brick, until it gets so big, your confidence that it's strong. So speaking, public speaking is a mind game. It's a mind game. And if you get your mind right, then you've got the confidence to be on stage. But you don't suddenly, in one day, switch that mind game. It takes, actually, it takes a long time to become a good speaker. Now, you can't be a good speaker in a day, two days, three days. It can yes. take you. How long has it taken you to get to where you are? It's taken quite a long time. It's taken nearly three years for me to progress from being completely shy, nervous, almost off mute when I get on stage to the point where I can prepare for my speech, structure a speech and actually deliver effectively. Yeah takes time over a period where you're speaking once a week two or three times a month how many times are you speaking definitely twice a month yeah at minimum twice a month even if it's some of the speaking opportunities are very small just to get on stage and introduce people something that i also found different you know a prepared speech you prepare everything, but the day you have to introduce someone, you forget their speech title, you forget why you're going to introduce them. Maybe you have to introduce a role that you're doing, and you also, okay, I, I can feel what I need to do. I know that I need to sit here and control these buttons or whatever, but to explain to people now becomes a different ball game. Strange. This is why I love public speaking, actually. because. It's not one solution to it. It's voice, body gestures, tone, body language, stagecraft, structure of a speech. It's physical. Yes. The whole thing is physical, as well as words, as well as everything. So it's not something you learn in a day. Uh, you've been speaking quite a time, two or three years now, haven't you? You said. Yes. And I would say the only way to become a better speaker, even quicker, Instead of speaking twice a month, you speak four times a month or five times a month. It's just the more you do it. It's rather like my analogy is going to a gym. The more regularly you do it, the more you're going to pump your muscles up. It's just the same as speaking. Now, if you just want to get there quicker, you just speak more. You make more mistakes. There's no yes. way that. Yes. You may run it. I mean, when you think about where you are now, and I've seen you speak, 
it's a vast difference to where you were at the beginning. But that didn't happen in a month. It didn't happen in two months. So you just got to speak more. Put yourself out there more. Bigger audiences, different audiences, trying things out. I think Tony Robbins just says that you become a really good speaker once you've done a thousand. That's a lot. That's yeah. Lot. You mean speaking to an audience of a thousand? No, giving a thousand speeches. Oh, when you've done a thousand, wow, yeah. okay, yes. That's a lot. Yes. And so it just. Easy. It, so it's public speaking, you learn by doing. And even if you buy the, you know, public speaking books, you don't suddenly become a good speaker, do you? No, no, not at all, not at all. No, no you have to, there's no way around it. You have to get up there and speak. You know, and the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, and you learn off other people, you see other people making mistakes, you develop your speeches, you get feedback. I mean, that's the beauty of Toastmasters, you know, because it's a place to practice, it's a place to develop. Yes. You don't have to just be at Toastmasters, you can take it to other clubs, other situations, yeah, and speak yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's wonderful about Toastmasters. I love Toastmasters. You speak at your own club. You speak in front of people that you're familiar with. And then you also have the opportunity to go and speak at other Toastmasters clubs. You speak in front of people that you're not so familiar with. And you broaden your network and your understanding of the rest of the Toastmasters community. And then... When the time comes to speak to perhaps a business community like BNI, you also have that first immediate jolt of, oh, it's strangers again, what do I say? But you are more comfortable. I remember I went to BNI just before the lockdown, and I also I did something funny, and I, and I actually congratulated myself for bouncing back from this. But what, I didn't understand how the BNI, the, the structure of the meeting worked. But basically, they asked all the guests, the visitors, they call them, to stand up and introduce themselves. Now, I misunderstood it. I thought that that was my one minute. So I got up, I introduced myself, and I started, you know, quoting my elevator speech. Yeah. Then they stopped me, but very close. They said, Okay, no, not yet. We're not yet there. Just your, just your name and your business. So that was a bit uncomfortable. And I think in previous years, it would have threw me off totally. It would have been embarrassing. But I then, you know, went with it. Everybody else introduced himself. And when it came to my time, and then I made a bit of a joke about it. That's confidence. That's because you have spoken a lot before. Yes. Like you say, you wouldn't have been able to do that three years ago. Mm -mm. No, not at all. And the problem with something like that, if you hadn't spoken, it could, it could kind of upset you so much, you wouldn't go back to BNI. Or you wouldn't yeah. make that somewhere else. You'd just be too self-conscious. But because you have spoken before, you just laughed at it and just did it again. Yes. And that's the stage to get to. 
So to improve your speaking, and your advanced speaker already, you just speak more, just stretch yourself all the time. Yes, yeah, definitely. That's why for me, um, I've done a lot of the, the, the regular Toastmaster speeches, which they call a project. It's five to seven minutes. Uh, it's easy for me to write a speech and deliver it. I've even gotten to the point where I don't really write the speech out. I write the speech basically in normally five points. I, have a in, I always start with a conclusion. I have a conclusion, intro, three or four main points and some transitions. And I let that play through my mind, play through my mind. And then I give my speech. I always allow, I sort of write, in my mind, I, I write the speech. If it's five to seven minutes, I write and rehearse mentally the speech for about six minutes. So when I eat, when I eat five, six minutes, then I know time to wrap up. You need to let that conclusion go and leave the audience with something. But one thing that I'm working on, like you said in the beginning, was the sales. So I'm going more with my own personal business. I'm taking this public speaking and I'm going more into sales. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in a longer format where I need to speak to someone and sell something in a 15-minute or 20-minute period where I need to put out a video that, that's 15 or 20 minutes. Not that people's attention is even that long, but if it's informative, you need to go through all of those mm. steps and the time. Mm. And do you think that you write these speeches the way you do now, how long did it take you to learn that? It, it took a long, long time. It took a lot of... Because it's difficult when you're not comfortable speaking to move from the parrot fashion. The parrot yeah. fashion is I'm going to write every single word down and I'm going to recite that. And I think that is the way that most beginners start. I've started like that, but I have learned that it's not about exactly the words you're saying, but the concept that you're trying to deliver. If I have a concept, if I have a point, let's give it again recycling. If the concept is recycling and the point is I want to make the audience aware of the, of the three or four different forms of recycling, plastic, tin, glass, paper, then I don't need to write it down word for word what I'm going to tell people. I'll write a note that says, explain the different types of recycling material. I know it. If I don't know it, then how would I be able to speak about it? So I don't need to write it down. I only write down that point. And that has been my biggest jump in speaking and preparation for a speech. And when did that jump come? From when, when you started Toastmasters and practicing to that point, that jump that freed you to do that, when did that happen? That jump happened quite recently, James. That Only jump recently, happened. Eh? How many yeah, years? No, it, happened, it happened very recently. It happened after this competition that you remember I was involved in. Because the competition, I tried to be so polished. And at a certain stage, I fell out of the competition. Not, I don't want to say I lost the competition, but I didn't go further. I came second in the competition. Hmm. 
and taking some of the advice from you, James, was trying to penetrate people with, without saying exactly what it is you are talking about. So persistence is one of the things. So I, I, when, we, when we spoke, I think where I fell out in that competition was I actually gave the definition for persistence and I kept on saying persistence, persistence, this. But I should have given stories that invoke the feeling of persistence within the audience. And that is really where I decided write down a, a topic or a point in your speech. If one of the points is persistence, then persistence as a word can come up in there. But give the audience some information that leads them to think about persistence. So your chain that you were talking about, that freedom, liberation, is only fairly recently then? Yes. And you've been speaking for how long? For nearly three years. That's how long it takes. I remember for myself as well, there were turning points, aha moments. It was, I, mm. I remember it was liberating when I found I didn't have to write the whole speech out. I went, wow. Mm. I tr what actually happened was I delivered a speech where I trusted myself. I didn't write out every word. I had phrases, but I knew the subject. And that was so liberating. And that's what you're talking about now. Yeah. The key is actually only to talk about subjects that you completely know about. Because then you can go on stage and trust yourself. No problem. I can't go on stage and talk about something I don't know about and not feel self-conscious. Yes. That's really difficult. But if you know about a subject, if you like a subject and you know it back to front, you can just get up and talk about it. And what also comes across is you're passionate about it. That's the key. Yes. You wouldn't be passionate about it. You wouldn't show that passion if you weren't interested in it. You know? So my advice to anybody is only talk about what you like and what you know. Because it will come, yes. come across in your tone of voice, in your body language, in your passion, in your... That's what people want. That's the connection. But you can't do that on a subject you're not interested in. Not possible. Well, I def I'd, I'll challenge you. Try it. Yeah. Some <laughs> of the projects at Toastmasters are research and presenting. So you actually have to go into research a topic that you're unfamiliar with and that puts you in that position where you say, you know, I didn't know that much about ants, but you know, after doing some research, now I know about ants, this, that, and the other. I'm so excited. I'm passionate about ants now. Every time I see an ant, I look at it a lot differently. Yeah. But you've understood the subject. You got interested in it. You got probably stories with it or develop stories. Then you can share yes. a passion about it yeah passion emotion passion and emotion is actually is what your audience want it's they want to feel that you it's just the same as sales making a sale is about enthusiasm 
it's an exchange of enthusiasm now if you're not enthusiastic if you're selling something you go yeah this is what it is this is you know nobody's gonna like that yeah just the same as speaking if you're enthusiastic love it just your enthusiasm about it just your energy about it even if it's a subject they don't know it's going to go wow yeah. wow that's right it's that it's that interesting that person's alight with it you know so enthusiasm yes. enthusiasm is is that power is that power that people want yeah and that's and that's goes back to my very first question was connecting connecting with the audience which you answered and that's something i'm definitely going to be practicing is trying to go deep down into what their wants and needs what their desires are and try and tap into that not manipulate them but to a certain degree you need to persuade them through a manipulation of your words so that their feelings change about a certain topic. Well, there's a there's a it's a sales technique as well. There's a sales saying that I have is find out what they want and give it to them. Yes. You when you do sales and speak to be honest, public speaking and speaking is selling. That's why I like it. It's you're finding out what they want and giving it to them. Because yeah. you find out what they want, what the problems are, and then you solve that problem, they're going to be a light. They're going to be interested. Yes. They're going to listen to you, aren't they? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So never forget that actually speaking is a form of selling. You're selling yourself on stage. And you can't sell something that people aren't interested in themselves so tailor make it to the audience audience and every audience is going to be slightly different and every club at toastmasters is going to be slightly different yes yeah. so that's what you should do does that help yeah it helps 100 percent. it helps so much james it's a lot a lot of food for thought and it's something i'm going to be working on in future thank Good. you so much and come back again you can ask me more questions great great thank you so much james and um yeah i look forward to it i will i will